right, everybody, we are in, we are in, we are in. Hi, my name is Spoon. And this is BC. And welcome to Coffee and Call Sheets. Coffee and Call Sheets. Today's episode, we will be talking to local 728 set lighting technician, Fritz Banks. Yeah, my boy. Yeah, you and uh, Fritz have been in the business together over 25 years, right? Yeah, definitely. We started off as um, pages together, but uh, he's been uh, my best friend since 1990. Right on. July. Yeah, we, um, we just hit it off, and it was a cool thing, and he's been my boy. And that's a great, I think that's a great thing how we get to really become good, close friends with the people that we work in this industry. Yeah. I, I, and once again, I know we've mentioned it before, it's because we spend so much time together, you know, so either going to really like that person or you're going to want to do a Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> <laughs> Except for the eating part. <laughs> right on. Right on. Well, we haven't really worked in a while. Yeah. And um, I've had to change my morning ritual compared mm. to the way I used to wake up or used to have my routines. It's been it's been quite a while with this strike. Yeah. and uh, But I still drink my coffee in the morning. <laughs> uh, hence coffee and call sheets. Right. But that's what I used to do is I would get up um, however early I needed to get up, sometimes 4.30 in the morning to make sure I can make a... 5.30, 6 a.m. call time, but I'd make my I'd make my coffee. Right. Make my coffee, my own coffee. I was not doing the, the coffee at catering, and I'd fill up a, a Yeti thermos full of my own Joshua <laughs> Tree hand-ground beans <laughs> coffee, and that was that was my bliss in the morning. Right. I, I don't drink coffee at all. <laughs> not at all. And it's so Why weird. are you on this show? <laughs> it's in the name. <laughs> it's the call sheet part I'm in. Um, yeah, I, I just don't drink coffee at all. But uh, it's so weird that you say that because I would always see you with that Yeti. So I figured, oh, you know, I would think that you had gone to, to catering. Right. But to hear that you that you were like, yo, I get up, make sure I have my coffee. And that, I mean, that's, that's a morning ritual. Like my morning ritual actually starts the night before because I, I hate mornings and I hate getting up <laughs> so just like a little kid I take my shower I lay my clothes out I know how long it takes me to get to work so I give myself a half hour from the time I have to leave the house wait wait now, I gotta ask you do you wake up as soon as your alarm goes off no you know the crazy thing I wake up a half hour before my alarm goes off like you wake up and you I wake up good to go no okay I just wake up but then I, I wake up, like, say, say if I, my alarm is at 6.30. Right. It, it never fails that I wake up a half hour, so all of a sudden it's 6, and I'm like, damn, I had another half hour. Then, you know, you try to go back to sleep, but you can't because if you hit that rim, yeah. uh, you're going to be, you're, you're not going to make it. Yeah, you're not going to go back. I mean, there's no good reason to go back to there sleep if you're awake a half hour before you're exactly, supposed to wake exactly. up. But I don't get up. So it's like I, I do that whole Close your eyes. Ten minutes, you look, you look at your clock, and it's like, oh, 
So I usually end up getting up maybe 15 minutes before my alarm. So then now, now I got an extra 15 minutes. But then if I get that extra 15 minutes, I'm going to fuck it off. <laughs> <laughs> and so now all of a sudden I'm looking. And so now instead of that 15 minutes I've wasted, I've wasted 25 minutes. So now I've got to rush and get into it. So that's, and that's why this is the reason why I have to have my clothes laid out like a kid. Where's my walkie? Where's my, my uh, computer bag? Is your computer in the bag? Keys, money, oh, yeah. whatever you need. Because I know I'm not going to get up early enough to do that. So I have all that lined up. So as I go out, it's, I have the radio, but I've got my wallet, keys, phone, and bag. One time, my car got broken into. Only twice has my car gotten broken into, and it was like a couple of months apart. Right. And I got my walkie stolen out of my car. <laughs> I, there was nothing in my car. Actually, it was a walkie and a trifold. The trifold was given to me as a gift. It was like, you know, it's like a couple, it's like a hundred bucks leather right, exactly. trifold. So I was a little, I was a little salty that I lost that, but I had to go to, to work. I'm like, yo, I had my walkie stolen out of my car. So I never leave my walkie in my car. Uh. I, I put it in my backpack and I obviously I always make sure my backpack is not in the car because half the time I have my laptop in my backpack. Yeah, I just I just leave it in my car. I'm not going to lie. I haven't had one stolen out of my car. I've lost a walkie, but I've never had one stolen. The other ritual is like I always look at the sides at at the end of the night, but I won't look at the sides again in the morning just to refresh myself on what the what the game plan is for the day right you know just to make sure i'm prepared make sure that i know what's going on so when and that's one of the other things in prep i get to work at least an hour before anybody else gets there because then i can relax i can you know grab some food um i can get something to drink i may you know may have some tea or i just want to be in my own space which, you know, you're at home, you're waking up the spouse or your mate. More than likely, my wife's like, yo, you want to keep it down? You want to shut the fuck up? <laughs> <laughs> so I get there, and then I'm able to just sit, you know, look over the call sheet, look over my day, figure out what I need to do. And I always like to get to work an hour before, you know, so then I can walk through the set, talk to the second um, if I'm keen, obviously I gotta get there early anyway, but if you're keen, you want to get there early enough to where you don't have to be dealing with anybody other than maybe some actors coming in, you put them in a trailer, getting their hair, makeup done, because once the crew gets in, you really don't have any time for yourself. Yeah. And if you don't get that time for yourself, you don't get your thoughts together, you know, because after that there's questions time yeah you're in the flow you're yeah. you're in the grind and i hear what you're saying is like having that time to sort of get yourself in the right headspace yeah. and get yourself up to speed so that exactly. when we're in we're in and you're ready to go you're at thirty thousand feet and ready to fly right exactly i i noticed a lot of times uh other crew members you know i'm generally coming in half hour hour before call time sometimes even earlier mm-hmm Depends on what we have to do, yeah. Yeah, it depends on, you know, we might have a big background day and we have like two hours of, you know, getting right. people through the yeah, works. exactly. But I sometimes see 
electricians, grips, um, people who, for whatever reason, either they have a long commute and they're yeah. trying to beat the traffic right. or they just like to come in early. Sit in it. You, most of the time you see them sitting in their car. Yeah. They've gotten some food or they've got, they've got their coffee yeah. <laughs> or whatever they're drinking and they're just kind of relaxing and, and it's their, it's their time, Yeah, you know, and, and you really do need your time because like I said before, once you start working, the time isn't yours anymore. Yeah, and that's the other thing is, is like, there's times when you have downtime. I'm thinking about like, yeah. if you're if you're any crew member, if you're a grip, if you're in props, a set deck, you know, there's going to be times when you can kind of sit back, but you're always on call. Exactly. So you never, you never get an opportunity. I shouldn't say you never get an opportunity. There's never a moment where someone is like, hey, I need you for this. And you're like, yeah, I'll get to it when I'm ready. No. <laughs> yeah, you're ready now. Yeah. <laughs> we need this. And you know. we need it now. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it all depends on who's calling for you. Is I, I could, if I walked up to a grip and said, hey, we need you on set, they might be like, uh, I'll, I'll wait until my guy calls right, me. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think a lot of people are missing those morning rituals, that whole process of getting up and showing up in the middle of nowhere or on stage, yeah. showing up, going through the Warner Brothers gate or the Paramount gate, just going through that whole process. I know there's people that are a little bit, I, I've heard from some people that are just nostalgic hearing us say we're in, we're in <laughs> on this show. Right, 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 right. Yeah. I mean, it, it's once again, it's just a peace of mind, you know, um, and I just keep saying it, but it's like once you're in, you know, and you're at the mercy of the beast, which is to make the day. Well, good morning, everybody. If you are just waking up to us <laughs> this morning, this episode, we're welcoming Fritz Banks. Fritz Banks. Fritz Banks is a set lighting technician, local 728. He's worked in the business for over 25 years, and he's worked on a slew of television shows, sitcoms, movies, you name it. If it's on TV or on a screen, he's probably worked on it. Yes. Um, goes back to Tim Allen and uh, Home Improvement. Yeah. Uh, the Game. Uh, Girlfriends. Uh, he worked with you on, uh, what was it? The Michael Neverland, ja Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson. You didn't work with us on that? I didn't work on that, no. Oh, yeah. Michael Jackson, Neverland. It was a Lifetime movie. Um, Tommy. Tommy. Tommy Maddox was uh, the Tommy Maddox was our uh, our DP. And you guys shot that up in uh, Santa Clarita, right? No, it was more not Santa Clarita, but uh, Porter Ranch, I think. Porter. It was. Oh, so North uh, North Valley. North Valley, yes, definitely North Valley. Yep. Actually, so it was so funny. We um, we shot down the street from Cedric the Entertainer's house. Oh, Zed, okay. Yeah, Zed came over a couple times, but uh, Diane Houston was the uh, the director. She was great. Uh, we had a, we had a really good time, but yeah, Mr. Banks, I've known this man for over thirty years. Cool. Yeah. So, without further ado, here is Fritz Banks. Ready? No, I'm not. Why are you? Why are you? Why are you? Because we, we got an hour now. We got everything rolling. Hour, 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 hour,
fucking minute to breathe. That's right. Like, we gotta go. We gotta go. <laughs> it's like an AD, right? <laughs> I gotta go. All right. Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, Brian, he, he's good at that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, welcome, Fritz. I'm here. How you doing? Great, great. Can't complain. Right on. <laughs> right on. So, how do you know Spoon? Spoon. Ah. Uh. Uh. <laughs> Wayne, Wayne Witherspoon, Wayne Witherspoon and I go back uh, 33 many, years, 33 years, many years, oh, we wow. met back in 1990, 1990 at Paramount Pictures, Starting we were pages. Oh, you guys were That's both? Pages. Yeah, we were both right, pages in the same right. page class. In the same page class. Got you. So how did you get into the page program? Oh, I think I answered the ad and it said something about, okay, entertainment business. Um, at that time, I was studying at uh, Los Angeles City College. Okay. And uh, I was going through their cinema program and uh, I just went for it. Right on. That was it. I was like, ooh, a job. Right. right. In the field, you know. Mm -hmm. you know. I'm not picking up trash. Cool. <laughs> so, there I was. <laughs> and, there, and there was Wayne and it was like crazy because I mean like, well, maybe I shouldn't say it, but we were say like one of the very few brothers that was in the club. I mean, you could like there was spot only, us out like raisins. Oh, right. There was one, <laughs> two, three, four. There was only four. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> there was yeah, there was only four. It was uh, me, you, uh -huh. um, Rob Gomes, Rob Gomes, who actually is a producer in reality TV now. Okay, and uh -huh. a guy named Keith Creighton. Yeah, we have no idea where Keith is. Yeah, he was an aspiring singer, vocalist. That yeah, kind of. I, I don't know where he just kind of like just faded out. Both well, yeah. singer, it sounds like he probably he may have gone down that route. Right, right. He was kind of like on the wrong side of entertainment. Gotcha. I would say. I mean, he wanted to be in front of the camera and and in music as opposed to film. So you know, I I seen Keith a couple times in years after that but he just sort of disappeared you know yeah I, I haven't I haven't seen Keith it's got to at least be 25 years you know, you know um, Hollywood's a strange community you know people just drop off you might see him again years later and then you guys pick up again but it's like hey where you been oh well let me tell you and there's always a story. Yeah. But, right. um, yeah, Hollywood's a strange community. The Dream Factory, not everything makes it off the factory floor. Mm. Exactly. No. <laughs> <laughs> you see a lot of broken dreams on the floor in <laughs> <of> that factory. <laughs> so what are you doing in the business now? So it seems like your dream has kind of come true. Uh, yeah, luckily for me. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to secure a career as a 728 IATSE, local 728 lighting technician. Oh, so, okay. um, IATSE, which all of us know, the International Alliance of uh, da da da, <laughs> right? Don't let me say it wrong. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, I don't even know what it means. Right, I agree, I agree. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I was fortunate enough to secure a career um, doing lighting, and it just seemed to be a good fit for me. So, this is where I am today. Mm. You know, um, obviously not at the moment, you know, just waiting for this uh, strike. You and me both, brother. I mean, yeah, right. We're all on this course. We're all sidelined. That's why we're here at the podcast. That's why we're here at the podcast. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, this strike is something else. You know, going through um, the 2007 writer strike, which wasn't nearly as scary as this. No, I mean, yeah. it, it, it 
this strike's been longer than that one now. Yeah, right, definitely. Right. And they said this was going to be longer. And I mean, to me, this is like, wow. Because right. I mean, most of the people that we're working with now have not been through a work stoppage this long. I not do. since COVID. Not, not since COVID. Not since right. COVID. But COVID, right. there, was, there were so many things to like exactly it. get people oh. through that time. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, that wasn't a labor dispute. Right. Right. Obviously. Yeah. So, you know, with that, we just had to let that run its course. But with the labor dispute, it obviously has to be hammered out. Right. And nothing's happening before that time. And like Spoon and I said before, I mean, even after they get the deal together, right. get everything together, everybody's happy. What's the lag time as far as work goes? Exactly. When does work start from yeah. there? So that's a question that um, very few people can answer, and it's definitely something that's on my mind. Right, yeah. Because even after we hear the good news, now it's the waiting game all over again. So Well, yeah, and you're, uh, you, you're, um, you're an electric, and yes. you uh, are... You're on set mostly. You're not like a rigger or anything. Do you, I, work I, do, or you? I do both. Okay. I do both. I'm on and off set depending on where they need me and, you know, how the company needs to use me. Right. Um, I'm always there for them, but um, I'm there on set and I'm off set. Sometimes I'm a rigger. Sometimes I step in as a best boy or wherever they need me, basically, right. you know. But if you're, if you're, you know, just in terms of things ramping up, even if, you know, Let's say tomorrow they figure things out, you know, right. and things start wrapping up in terms of pre-production. You know, even a rigger is what not probably not going to get working two for weeks. We're, we're yeah. I would say almost a month out. I mean, the rigging crew got to come in before before production, the crew, before exactly. anyone comes in, yeah. and, and before the rigging crew come in, I meant you know a script got to be approved. Exactly. So there's a lot of things that have to happen the way they normally do happen, right. even in normal times. You figure to start an episode on a show or to start a show, there's so much that has to occur yeah. before actual filming mm -hmm. occurs, before we actually get paid and so forth. So mm -hmm. it's going to be a, a waiting game at this point. Right? Yeah. yeah. So e even even if we make it across the, the finish line with these negotiations, it's right. going to be a long sort of recovery time. Yeah. Uh, before we get back up to speed. Yeah. Sort of a gestation yeah. period, you know. Yeah. I hear you. Going back to, uh -huh. you're in the page program. Yes. How did you transition from, what was that journey for you, going from like being a page to like getting in the union? Okay, my journey as a page to getting in a union, um, they were related, but distantly related. So in my case, becoming a page, first of all, going through a program, then becoming a page or intern, which was like an internship for right. the most part. We were, we were used, yeah, we were used, <laughs> we were used as a, right. like a temporary service. We, right. They, they, Cheap they, labor. Yeah, they, they, um, they sent us out to everywhere. Yeah. So you went from being a page to doing what? I went from a, being a page to a temporary string of temporary jobs till something broke for me. But I do have to say, by just getting in that program, mm -hmm. it put me in the realm for something to happen. Right. You know, people are seeing me saying, okay, um, you know, is this guy a good worker? Yeah. You know, I see where his interest is and all that. And with that, somebody that knew me said, hey, you know, Fritz, you would be great at this. Why don't you try this? And, and believe it or not, I got my start because of a film, a now defunct film, 
that Wayne and I did back in Which one? the late 90s, coming up. Oh, you're talking about the one we directed? The one we directed. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, so wait, hold on a second. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the yeah. two of you, the, you co-directed? or yes, we co-directed. You co-directed the film. You didn't tell me this. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, dude, we did it. I, I mean, this. Well, that's 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 cool. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. All right. So, you, but, so you guys had done this. You, at some point, you in the late '90s, you guys come uh, around. It was to, actually the early co-directing. Early '90s. Early '90s. Yeah. 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 It was early '90s. Yeah. Um, so we co-directed a film. We raised the money ourselves. We did everything like Spike Lee could have imagined. We borrowed like a whole truckload of equipment while the boss was gone. From who? We're not gonna say. Anyway, <laughs> so clearly you borrowed it from right. somebody. Anyway, clearly I don't remember it from somebody that didn't, didn't know, know you borrowed they, it. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. We, so we, we borrowed some equipment, and, and you know we had help. So we made a film, and although the f the film was like really crude, you know, in, in production values, a lot of people saw our intent on what we were trying to do, and they said, "Hey, you know what? Maybe you're not uh, Spielberg material." Right. filmmaking, but hey, I think you make a good lighting technician. Mm. And so that's where that person came up to me and said, hey, why don't you come on to the set and I'm going to show you how we do it at the studio. And, and who was that person? Uh, that was actually a relative of mine, my cousin Felix. Felix okay. who? Uh, Williams. Ah, okay. Yeah. What does Felix do? Felix now, uh, retired. Um, he runs his soft lighting company. So he left the industry now, is just running his company, and uh, I mean, he, he definitely zoomed in on my talents and said, hey, you'll make a good lighting technician. And that was 25 plus years ago, so I've been doing it ever since. Right. Depotism does run in the industry, <laughs> oh, yeah. for sure, oh, for yeah. sure. Right, right, right. So, but, there's uh, nothing wrong with that. You know no, I mean? And there's nothing wrong with that, exactly. There's nepotism in construction, there's <laughs> nepotism <laughs> in plumbing, there's nepotism in, you know. There's nepotism hey, in... Hey, kid, you need a job? Right, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So, uh, so that was us, but it all started from that one film we did together. Right. And actually, my cousin was an actor in that film. Sure was, he was the main, he was the main male ah. actor in that film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Sure was. So that was it. But um, Wayne and I got started by doing music videos for local rap artists. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that totally forgot about all that. West Coast hip hop. West Coast hip hop, gangster rap. Oh, definitely gangster rap. <laughs> so, I mean, to show you how technology's changed, I mean, we were shooting videos in those days on 16 millimeter. Okay. Um, we had the sound recorder mm -hmm. and the boom guy, but once we got the post, you know, it was like the old school way of, of cutting things, mm -hmm. you know. <laughs> Not quite the movieola, but it was like a telecine type thing. Right, right. Uh, video to take. Okay. Technology has really moved since then. Right. The things we did then seemed like a lot. Now you could just buy a GoPro and you have everything at your hands to do what took thousands of dollars of equipment to do yeah. 20 years ago. Now, mm -hmm. you could buy that right off the shelf for a fraction of that cost. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, um, one of my first gigs um, when I got into 728, I actually was a crew member on Tool Time. Oh, yeah. Hey, Vern. <laughs> <laughs> right, it was one of my very first gigs, one of my very first uh, shows I worked on. But were you in the union by that point? Yes, I was. You had okay. to be in the union. You could permit, but you had to be in the union basically to work on that show. So how? I mean, how many days did you need to do? How did? How did? How did you get in? 
Oh, okay. So I was invited, obviously, by a relative who invited me to work with them. Uh -huh. And usually that's how it would go. Now, for people that don't know people in the industry, though, that would be a different story, a different scenario. But um, I started off working, you have to do 30 days to qualify. The 30 days, is that consecutive 30 days or is that within a time period? No, it's just 30 days within a time period. And how long is that time period? Oh, gosh. I'm going to say a year, but don't quote me on that. But you have a year to gain 30 qualifying days. Mm. And um, and then, you know, if you, if you cut it, you get to stay another day. So it's kind of like, okay. you know, one day at a time. Yeah. You go there for the first day. If they like you, you got day two. So what happens if... Like, you don't have that person who could basically get you in there. Now, there goes a dilemma right there. Right. Because for people that don't have, like, any industry contacts, it's really a different game. First thing I would suggest is to maybe hook up with some people doing non-union films. Yeah. Because you make the connections. However, it's really a rough road as far as non-union because you're going to work a show, you're going to work a job, and it may last two weeks to two months. Then when it's done, you're done. Now what? In the non-union world, you got to have really good contacts to keep you busy, to keep those jobs coming one after the other, or you're just sitting there unemployed. Right. So... And in union, you don't that doesn't happen? or It, it could happen in a union as well, but mm -hmm. with the union, at least... Um, you have the benefit of calling your local and they'll sometimes put you out on a call. Sometimes you get what we call like almost like a cattle call where they need dozens of electricians to do a big strike. Okay. So in that case, the best boy looking for extra labor will call the hall and request maybe five bodies, five guys, and then we'll send five guys out. But when you work in non-union, you don't have that available. So it's really rough. You just you really got to work your contacts to stay busy in non-union. And it's really, really tough way to go. I bet the pay is really the biggest thing. I bet non-union compared to union, we make about three or four times, sometimes four yeah. times what they actually yeah. make. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. In addition to benefits, pension plan, and all that. So therefore, you don't want to make too much of a living doing non-union, as well as commercials. Because some commercials, even though they pay probably better than union jobs, they're still non-union, you know? Oh, non-union commercials. Yeah, so I, yeah, I know people that made a whole career out of just doing commercials. Mm. But in terms of benefits and their pension plans and the hours they need to retire. They don't get any of that. They don't get any of that, and they fall really short. I mean, I know guys that make great livings being commercial gaffers, right? And... These are older guys, and, you know, they're coming to the point of looking towards retirement, but they don't have enough hours because they did primarily commercials, which just pay them just cash yeah. and nothing into their pension plan. So. Yeah, they would, they would have to really manage their money really well. because right. and, and, and you're working on, at a, on an individual basis rather than having sort of the, the, you are. the, the collective, collective right? yes. the collective strength of bargaining for, you know, exactly. retirement, you, different types of benefits exactly. and pensions. And, yeah. So, I mean, you can, I mean, during the course of my career, I've met guys that, that's all they primarily done was just commercials. That's mm -hmm. all they did. But on the flip side, you know, this a guy that's at that age, well, hey, I'm ready to retire in three or four years, but I don't have enough hours. 
So that is a dilemma. You know? Well, and the, I mean, you probably have a better view than I do. And, and uh, granted, I've been here for 16 years. I worked in reality for a good portion of that and right. before I kind of got into scripted production. But it seems like there's less commercials in L.A. than there used to be. You know, I wouldn't doubt that. Yeah. Because I do recall having more offers to work commercials years ago. Mm -hmm. Um I thought about that. I just attributed it to something else, you know. Do you, because I, I know for, for ADs, there's a big split. I, I don't want to say a big split, but it's like there's, there's a clear demarcation when you get into commercial ADs versus TV and film ADs. Does that exist also in the electric, electrician's I think, world? I think it's to a lesser degree. See, like for me, for instance, like when I worked with my cousin who got me in the industry, we had a thing going where we did strictly sitcoms mm. from Tool Time. And then from Tool Time, we went to, I think I did a little stint on maybe Seinfeld. And uh, I did Girlfriends, The Game, and so forth. So, and then back to Tim's most recent show. But the point is, is, is that um, I always bounce between features and sitcoms. Now, each community is totally to itself so right because they, that's what i'm saying is like they're like different streams they're different right. streams absolutely so um i prefer i like sitcoms but i would do episodics i mean sitcoms no doubt are easier to do there's, there's the hours are shorter they're mostly on stage too right? most yeah sitcoms rarely leave the stage and if they do leave the stage oh boy <laughs> Everyone loses their mind. Everybody loses their mind. You know, so that's a sitcom for you. Episodics, man, everything kind of, everybody gets kind of a, how can I say, synchronicity where, you know, uh, you guys are loading out and in every day, so you get used to it, you mm -hmm. know. I mean, if I'm on a sitcom and I'm doing like three months of not loading a truck, and then all of a sudden you're going to tell me I have to load a truck. I mean, it's like, ooh, now I'm going to work, you know. <laughs> so there, there's a difference. And in the sitcom world, you're going to meet a lot of guys like myself who are ready for retirement, mm -hmm. you know. If you see a guy that's under a certain age, it's like, hey, kid, what are you doing here, you know. How come you're not out in the real world making real money? Mm -hmm. So that's it. Sitcoms are like a retirement camp. <laughs> it's a little slower pace. Is it, you're, yeah, you're, 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 you're only Yeah, you shoot once and a week. You're, you're saying the rates are lower. The rates are the same. Mm. It's just the hours. So, oh, I see. So you don't get as many hours. Yeah. So I just got off before the strike hit me. Mm. I was blessed. I worked a month into the strike only because the show, I was on a Nickelodeon show that already wrote its scripts. So we wow. were allowed to shoot out the available scripts. Gotcha. So we were able to keep on working for another month almost. Until the, until the actors strike. Until the actors strike, ex exactly. But I mean, even then, you know, yeah, mm. it was crazy. I, I'm curious what you're, what you're hearing, what's the pulse that you're hearing uh, and the people that you, you know working in the industry, how they're, how they're get faring through this strike right now? Oh, wow, man, you know. I haven't talked to a lot of colleagues, but I have talked to some, man. Some are just, you know, passing time. They're doing odd jobs. Um, they're doing whatever just, just to make ends meet, you know. For people that have, like, working spouses and stuff like that, you know, they're doing other things. And 
And if I was to give advice, I would just tell people, you know, uh, there's no work, so no use in banging your head. There's the ball. I, we all have bills, so I know that's stressful. But just take this time just to relax and enjoy your family. Mm -hmm. Because when the work does come back, we're going to be busy. Mm -hmm. Right. We're not going to see our families, you know. It's going to be like, wow, we weren't off long enough. <laughs> but when, when the work does come back, man, we're going to be swamped, you know. Um, what I mean? yeah. So... You 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 do sitcoms, you do episodic. So I mean, you're just like a jack of all trades. Same meaning that you do the different genres. What do you prefer? I do prefer the sitcoms simply because. But but you you weren't. In, but you say sitcoms were like for your retirement. But you've done sitcoms like almost your entire career. career. Yeah. So uh -huh. do you like? I mean, because I know now you're getting closer to retirement. But being early on in your career and you're doing sitcoms, mm. did you enjoy it then? I enjoyed sitcoms from the start. And although I love doing episodics as well, um, for some people, like I know with Wayne, I mean, a 14-hour day is nothing for him. <laughs> I mean, he can work a 14-hour day. He doesn't even eat either. <laughs> this is one guy that doesn't eat and doesn't sleep. So he's fine. 14-hour day, bring it on. 16-hour day, bring it on. So, end of the week, he's done three or four 14-hour days, and he's eating two jelly beans. <laughs> he's okay. Right. But for me, you know, I, I start fatiguing after a while, and, and, you know. But with sitcoms, man, you in and out, and I, I, loved it. I loved to have my time. But I know not every show is like that, so... You know, like my last show was really good. I mean, I had a lot of time to myself, so I just know this next show I'm going to be on is going to be like 16 hours a day, eight days a week, you know. So the, the last show you worked on, what was that? Um, it was a new show. It was a new Nickelodeon show called Aaron and Aaron, which was a really good show. Where, where did they shoot that? They shot that at Burbank Studios. Okay. You know, the old, uh, what was it, Johnny Carson stage? Uh, old NBC. Old NBC, correct. But um, it was it was good. You know, I liked it. We had a real good deal. We had a good gaffer. We had a good crew. Like no, crew. A gaffer. Fact, what, what, a real good crew. What's a gaffer? Uh, I'm sorry. Our gaffer was Ricky Walker. Who, what is a gaffer? What is a gaffer? Oh, I'm sorry. Wow. The gaffer is the chief lighting technician. Mm -hmm. Now, this is the individual that's responsible for everything that the lighting department does. He's responsible for making lighting decisions and stuff like that based upon the information that the DP gives him. So, um, so he like works hand in hand with the DP. So he works hand in hand with the DP. The gaffer is the one that's going to go out on the tech scout. So if we're going out and we're looking at a big field, a football field that needs to be lit, you know, the gaffer is going to say how much of the field do we actually see? You know, how much do we need to light? I mean, what are we seeing? What kind of bulbs are up in those in those uh, those exactly. lamps? Exactly. He's asking all those questions, and he's he's the one that has to come up with all the answers. Then to me. Usually, I'm the guy that actually does the physical work. Right. right. Yeah, usually on most productions, if they have a deal like, oh, we want this done, okay, I'm that guy. Mm -hmm. right. That's going to go up there and make sure it's done the way the gaffer wants it done. So right. the best boy, what's the best boy? Best boy is a supervisor, basically. He has a supervisory position. He mostly handles just, like, labor and equipment. Every now and then he'll get his hands dirty or whatever, but his main function is just to bring us labor because as I said, a lot of shows, whether they're sitcom or episodics, they need additional labor depending on the shooting schedule of the day, right, Spoon? Right. 
and he controls all he doesn't control all that he fulfills all that mm. and as well as what we need as far as labor wise we're going to do the same equipment wise additional lighting additional power mm -hmm. you know whatever the needs are he takes care of it between him and the gaffer they figure out what's needed and they put it all together and put it in the mix. Now, I vaguely remember the electricians changing their titles, I want to say in the early 2000s. So yeah. it, technically, it's it's no longer the best boy. It's the, the ACL, yeah. right? Assistant Chief Lighting Technician. Gaffer's Chief Lighting Technician. Right. And, and uh, it's officially that now. And, and that's the official title. And, if you go on and it was an electrician, but now you're set lighting. Now we're set lighting, which I think that's the correct title that you would give... Uh, a lighting technician because someone will come to me and say hey man can you fix my house <laughs> and I'm not about to try to you know wire someone's house up right. it's not what I do it's not what I do we do handle electricity but on stage and on location so although we get pretty comfortable with electricity we're not doing residential wiring right, right. now some guys do do that I have a good friend that does do that and a lot of us are but that's not what we essentially do. We pretty much, we handle power, but our primary function is uh, lighting, not electricity. And you guys don't need to be certified or qualified as an electrician per se, or correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, hold that thought, because as our equipment gets smarter, mm. our electricians might have to get smarter with that equipment. Gotcha. Mm. You know, like when I got in, and especially my earlier years and in, in the years prior to me getting into the union, it was a real macho type atmosphere. You know, guys would compete on, on how much equipment they can lift. You know, our four eye, which is the heaviest cable that we use, is a very heavy, heavy piece of equipment. To pick them up, they're very heavy. So right now, um, we have a new position called a rigging tech. A rigging tech? Yeah. Um, so these are guys that rig all our technology. So we have a lot of, um, we call them modes. It is like Bluetooth type equipment. Oh, okay. So mm. for the, because uh, the, they can control uh -huh. the, the, right. the lights we, on, on a, an iPad or, exactly. or a computer. Right. right. And the nodes communicate to the lights, to the, to the computer or iPad. Right. So basically when we're rigging, we have, we use uh, rigging techs that just do the nodes and do all the technology for the dimmer board op which used to be called a dimmer board op. Now, right, yeah. <laughs> that's been upgraded to programmer. And wow, now that, cha now that position has changed a lot because they're no longer just using a board. Now they're using an upgraded board that controls nodes and, and controls a lot more. It's a programmer because they're, they're setting up, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, they're setting up like almost like effects it's like i know yes. i know you're going to want this when I, yeah. and i can yes. i can pre-program this uh -huh. so that when we do this i can hit this and, and that, that happens, happens. Exactly. right so basically i mean if you're just rigging you just dragging equipment in and setting it up but if you're a rigging tech doing uh all the nodes and stuff like that you're just touching the nodes and all the smart stuff that the programmer uses so there's like two different grades of riggers. So this rigger is doing all technology and the other rigger is just laying down equipment. I, and I'm probably using the wrong terms for these because 
that's what we call them on the set. But if you open up our book, mm -hmm. they have a, a different term. But that's what we call just a, you know, I'm a rigger and he would be a rigging, rigging tech. tech. Yeah. And, and my question is, is, does the rigging tech, is that who I've seen sometimes will be working on the diagram for, yes. for all of when they're when they're going to do the rigging yeah. they're sort of like doing a computer diagram yeah. and they'll run it by that, the gaffer that would be the programmer so the programmer would be working on that with the gaffer and then from there the programmer will go to his rigging tech gotcha and say and, and make say, sure this happens yeah and that's outside of what we would do because i would just be a rigger i'm the one that's going to get the lamp up there um you know it's when we did nope You've seen the movie. Mm -hmm. There's there's times where the alien is above, right? right. And when the alien's above certain electronic equipment, mm -hmm. that electronic equipment right. stops. Right. Right. So in the movie, mm -hmm. uh, Adam Chambers, who's a good friend of mine, he's a gaffer, he and his uh, programmer, they had to do a situation where when we would say, hey, the alien is above this, the programmer would have to mm -hmm. hit a button to make all of the... Uh, what, what, do you, what do you call those? The, the machines that are out <laughs> front of the, out front of the, um, oh, the blow up things. Yeah, the yeah. blow up things with yeah. the arms. Uh -huh. that, so those. like the tube worms. The tube, or whatever. exactly. And the 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 guys the are tube on the, guys. Yeah, oh, the tube guys. And so uh -huh. we had to synchronize that. Right. So those guys had to set up all of that. And I remember all those rigging uh -huh. texts. Right. And it'd be so funny because I'd be talking, I'd be talking shit to Adam like, Yo, seven twenty eight. You guys ready? He was like, fuck you, DG. I was like, fuck you, 728. Let's go. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> but Adam Chambers is a good dude. And, and that's it. Dude. But basically, you know, that was like a lighting cue or a gag. So those were gags. Exactly. I feel bad because I was calling uh, our thing notes, but it's really called something else, but I can't remember it at the time. Wow. You know what? I've been off the job for three months, man, and uh, all of a sudden I'm I'm used to just being just, off. I'm in vacation mode. I forgot everything. Yeah, <laughs> um, forgot everything. I'm in vacation mode. You know, yeah. going back to that question mm -hmm. about qualifications, I guess the point I'm trying to say is like, you don't need to be a licensed electrician the way we people think of right. a licensed electrician no. in order to work in, right. in the film industry. In lighting, you're certainly working with electricity. Yes. And it's very dangerous. Yes. You need to know what you're doing. Absolutely. You you just you don't need to be a licensed electrician to no. the to the degree that right. I can rewire someone's house right. or no. or do any of that sort of work. As but, soon as you qualify. Mm-hmm. So as you get your 30 days, you qualify, then you're invited to, to join the union. Mm -hmm. Right away, they have um, safety passport classes that everyone has to take. Mm -hmm. right. In addition to that, we, we now have training classes. And then, and then we have additional training classes as far as like for each department. So like with the camera department, they got training classes that are specific to what they do. And then we have training classes which are specific to what we do. Say, for instance, like if you want to use the expression um, um, board mm -hmm. as a programmer, right. there's classes for the expression board. There's, there's the whole hog board. And your union like pr keeps track of that so that when an ACL right. is like, hey, I want to bring this person in. I wanna, uh -huh. and The producers, I didn't mean to cut you off. No I, I think... Like on certain classes, like say we had the harassment classes we all been through last right. year mm -hmm. or last two years. You know, on the shows I've been on, uh, the, the producers always make sure that everyone is, has taken a sexual harassment class. So you have to be signed off on that class just to be on the set. Right. Okay. And then you have your um, training classes, 
which you know um, the halls gonna, the union's going to call and make sure that everybody on the show at some point has had all their man mandatory training classes. Mm -hmm. Now, at one time I missed the class and it wasn't really a, a real big repercussion, but they just told me as soon as the class was offered again that I had to take it, which I did. But um, I have yet to see anyone being pulled off a show who hasn't completed their training classes. Well, I'm sure that's few and far between. I mean, yeah. People want to work. People you know, want to so work, you're so do we all you, know it's going to happen. Right, you're going to yeah. make sure you take but, care of business. But there are certain classes that you need to take. One of them be like our aerial lift class. Mm. What is that? Uh, our condors. You have to be certified to get in a condor. Okay. So what's a condor? So a condor, for most people, okay, a condor is like a cherry picker for people who've worked construction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's the same device, mm. same equipment, we just call it a condor, and we paint them black to match the nighttime. But other than that, it's just an aerial lift. I like the name way better than a cherry picker. Right. I know it sounds cool, a condor. It's a condor. <laughs> yes, that's why we it's changed the name. One of the, one of the <laughs> biggest birds in the world. <laughs> there you go. I mean, we're in the movie business. We give everything names, you know? Come on now. Cool. <laughs> right. Everything gets a cool name. But um, so we just don't let anyone up in those condors. You have to be certified. Because mm. those can be dangerous, you know? Those can be, at some point, they could be... Um, top heavy mm. so especially when you load them up with lights you know gripology yeah to control the lights and anything else you have in that rig you know some guys are going to put a tv set in there you i mean you up there for the for the whole day right 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 so right. some guys have their tv set man so how do you get your food power. and your drinks and it's, all, it's all on the drop line you know you, you drop of course they're gonna let you down you know for lunch right <laughs> <laughs> they let you down for lunch but uh, you better hold it because <laughs> you ain't coming down till lunch. And, um, and, and pretty much, you know, the director will talk to you as they're dialing in the scene. And once that scene is dialed in, pretty much your job is done, you know. Keep your radio on, keep your ears on, and just kick back and watch the show, you know. And that's, that, that has been fatal, right? I mean, there has been accidents that have happened up there. And in saying yeah. that, yeah, it is... Um, what what would cause something like that? There it, hasn't been a lot of condor right. accidents, but there has been a few. Mm -hmm. And I will say just, you know what? I think fatigue contributes to mistakes. Mm. Usually everybody that goes up in one of those uh, lifts is pretty much trained and ex inexperienced. Right, okay, so you don't so, just don't, like, the new guy, the new guy coming in right. is not going to go. Even though he's been in construction and he may know how to use it, he's still not going to be put no. up in something like that. Right, right. You're not going to put the new guy up in the condor. So you're going to put the experienced guy up in the condor. But more often than not, someone overlooks something. Like I was on a show not too long ago where um, they weren't paying attention to the cables that were who, drooping who, down. Who was it? Was it like was the, it the spotter? So and the usually, spotter being the guy on the ground. The guy on the ground. Usually when you have a, any type of aerial lift that's being used on the set, you go and have a spotter. Okay. okay, I don't know if there's a written bylaw saying that we have to have one, but it's just common sense to have a spotter, especially with a condor, because at nighttime, man, you can go up and not see power lines. Power lines disappear in the darkness. Right. So you got to have a guy watching out for power lines and guy watching out for trees and for obstructions on the ground. And even you got to watch the ground for, you know, like cracks in the ground. I mean, I know one time I was doing a show at Universal and we were on the back lot in Universal, and they asked the 
guy in the condor, if he can move his condor, which is something you really shouldn't have done, like move it while you're still up, which is called towering. Mm -hmm. They asked him if he can tower just a few feet. And he mm -hmm. said, yeah, I can do that. Can he do it? Yeah. Should he do Should it? He done it? No. no. But he did. And I was his ground guy. So in doing that, he didn't know that he ran over a lot drainage hole. Oh. Where water drains in, mm -hmm. where there's like a dip in the ground where the right, ground's right. not flush. Right. So this guy now has one wheel that's not touching the ground, mm. which creates a very dangerous dangerous situation. Yeah, right. even even a little drop of about two feet. And that's what it was. On it was a wheel. A, it was a drop of one feet. Well, yeah, will create a huge amount of like exactly. velocity at, at the top. Yes, it will. You'll that, be thrown away. You'll be thrown. Exactly. And then... The good and the bad part about this is, is that you're chained to that device. So if it throws you, you're just going to bounce back. It's going to throw you again right. because you're strapped in. What did you guys do to rectify that? I mean, when they asked him the tower, he couldn't see that he was running over a drainage ditch. Right. So he just ran right over it. And me, I mean, all I'm saying is, oh, I'm panicking. Right. So I hollered, cut. I mean, I'm not even a director. Right. I'm yeah, like, but I mean, cut. safety safety is the... Yeah, so, but I actually Howard Cut on Channel 7. And a director's like, who in the hell called Cut? Right. And I'm like, I did. I'm the ground man for the Condor, and we're on three wheels right, right. now. And the director was like, by all means, continue. I immediately brought terrible. that man down to a safe height. Then we moved away from the hull. Right. Yeah. Because just in case of any, if it, if you, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. We could do another take. Oh, yes. yeah. You can't do You it might be upset, but everyone's going to be safe. Everyone gets to go home. Everyone gets to go home. Exactly. So that was one incident. And then um, I've had another incident where a guy's coming down, an inexperienced guy's coming down too fast and he clips his cable. Ooh. So you got to know, we're, we're burning HMI lights, which have thick cables, mm. all right? These cables, man, first of all, they're heavy mm -hmm. by their own weight. So we have to put loop, like tie them onto themselves just so they don't break under their own weight. And then we have to tie them up to the boom. Gotcha. Right? So when that boom comes down, you need that ground guy again to watch to make sure those cables don't get pinched or clipped. Gotcha. And what that guy did was he didn't wait on his ground guy, and he came down just a little bit, and it, the cable got pinched. And now, I mean, it's possible to energize that whole machine. Luckily, it was just like a little flash of sparks. Right. But that's enough to make anyone paranoid as far as, uh, you know, you're already 75, 100 feet up in the air. Yeah, yeah, and you've got a lot of power running through and that you, cable. And you got a lot of power. You want to basically and light what? up that whole piece of equipment. And, yeah, which is all metal. Which, which is all metal. It's all metal. Exactly. With him on it. But, it does, yeah, it's not like the cartoons where you're like, oh, we get to, <laughs> yeah, right. let's do it again. Let's do it again. Yeah. <laughs> wow, well, I need coyote. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> One more time. The other shit but, is uh, done. Yeah, man. Does anyone smell toast? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. These are only jokes, people. These are only jokes, but... Yeah, he clipped the cable, and it was a big fireworks show, and wow. that was it. But the guy came down. He was safe, but who's to say that, you know, something couldn't have happened? Yeah. You know, that was definitely. a dangerous situation. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that was just a couple of examples of what could happen with if, you're not, yeah, you're, if you're not careful. Right. Yeah, because yeah, the, the, 
The set is safe, but it can be very dangerous. Any set can be very dangerous. You know what? I would say our industry is like, what's the industry they call where um, you go on those fishing boats in Alaska? What's it called? You're the, talking uh, about deadliest catch. Exactly, oh, man. That is a that is a very dangerous job in itself. I mean, they lose a lot of guys. Yeah. And I'm like, how do they lose them? You know. Well, you're you're on the Bering Sea and you get exactly. 14 foot waves. Yeah. There you go. Well, we don't get that, but no. just people who don't pay attention, and it happens. It yes. Happens. It, I mean, it just it just there's dangers on the set everywhere you look yeah. if you really want to open your eyes. Yeah. I mean, think about it, man. You go on the set and you're looking around. Oh yeah, actor, movie star. There's a producer. You're looking this way. There's a thousand trip hazards. Hard yes. cables. Yeah. Equipment. You know what I'm saying? Stuff that's gags that have been set up by special effects, but no one has anything there yet to to rope it off. Yeah. So there's always trip hazards. Always hazards on the set. I yeah. Mean, I think we we're in a very dangerous occupation. I mean, it's not dangerous like Deadly Catch, but no, <laughs> no. We lost a few people. Yeah. yeah, and if you're not paying attention, things can happen. You have to be. Things that's the one thing that uh -huh. that I like about in the morning, you go through the safety meetings. Mm -hmm. Yo, this is what's happening. This is what we're doing today. You know, unfortunately, there's no uh, half the time people are like <laughs> drinking <laughs> coffee, <laughs> not paying attention. I was going to cut you off. <laughs> I can't even remember the last safety meeting I went to. Really? Why? Why? Because I'm usually somewhere off the set doing the last minute. Oh, drop this box right here. Plug that in. Get it ready. Yeah, they're in the safety meeting, so hurry up. <laughs> That's I'm that guy. Okay. Do no. that last thing because they're in the safety meeting. Right. So but meanwhile, I'm not in the safety meeting. You know. Is this the is this the morning safety meeting though? <laughs> yeah, pretty oh, much the morning uh, safety meeting. You know. Yeah, I mean oh. that's another. That's one thing I'm curious about. You know, just technically, none of us start until crew call. Exactly. Right. Mo most of us, none of us start until crew crew call. But most of us are working before crew call. I was oh, about yeah. to say, how unreal is that? Because you know what, I'm working for the moment I get out of my car. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, someone's gonna call me. If they can't hit me on the radio, because I don't have the radio on, they're gonna call me on my cell phone. Fritz, we need you to go straight to the set to do this, or straight to the old set to pick this piece up. Somebody forgot something. So usually when I get out, out of my vehicle, I'm hitting the ground running. Yeah. So, Start time may be an hour away. I usually come an hour early every day, uh, and I'm and working for that hour. Yeah, and do you, do you do you uh, get breakfast? Most of the time, but there's been times where I don't get breakfast right. simply because I'm working. Yeah. Don't forget, breakfast is is complimentary. It's, it's yeah, it's yeah, it's complimentary, yeah. but it, it's typically always there. And people, I always see electricians. I see grit. I see most everybody. Yeah. Yeah. If they don't have a pre-call, they're still there an hour early. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because the thing is, is that mm -hmm. my job isn't to pull into the parking lot and get out of my car one minute before call. call. <laughs> my job is to be there uh -huh. with call. my walkie on and my ear uh -huh. my earpiece in to be on set, ready to run as soon as we we're, hit the top of the in. hour or whatever yeah, the exactly. call time is. The the call time is six a.m. on set. It doesn't say six a.m parking lot 
Yeah. But actually, <laughs> technically, it is on set at the parking lot. Well, no, it's, 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 it's somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. Technically, it is. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like if your call time is six. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe it's when you're on location, but your call time is actually getting into the van at six. Getting into the van or being yeah because you're on the clock as soon as you get in the van. I oh, think as soon as you get in the van, you're, you're, on, you're, you're right on because it could take different times to get to the actual set. Right, because right. sometimes because you're getting held it, up. Right, because they, they always tell you your call time. Well, my call time is when I'm when I'm get in the, the car in the van. Yeah, but I, I don't know what it is. Is what is your call time like? If we're going to stage, is your call time on set? Right, you know, right. but that, I mean that, that I think is true. I yeah, think it's like yeah, if you're yeah. at, if you're at Warner Brothers, it's like mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. You just need to be on the stage working right at call time. Yeah, right. yeah Warner Brothers. It, yeah, if you're on stage, your call time is on stage at, at, that, at time. that time. Right now, if you're on location, you got to be in that van at that, at that time. time because sometimes they hold vans up. Too. Oh yeah, right. So it's like <laughs> yeah. so that so the point is is like and that's just where where people are like, well, what, how, where's how, where's the crew? And it's like, well. It's call time right now, and people are leaving crew parking right, right. now, and right. that's okay parking, yeah. because according to the letter of the law, it is that if call time six a.m., they need to be in the van at six. Right, they and don't need to be here at six. Right, and that's yeah. why you have. Yeah. That's why you give them the twenty minutes, the twenty uh -huh. minute um, right. pre-call. Like, all right, so it's or the fifteen minute pre-call, mm -hmm. or was eighteen minute pre-call. Because there's a lot of travel involved. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because no one could just say, "Okay, I'm here." Unless when they pull up. Unless you're, no, unless you're at Mystery Mesa and all you got to do is walk across a field. You know, it's yeah, like, yeah, right, crew yeah, parking yeah. is right there. I can see it. Right. right, right. But, but, he, but you need to be ready to go to work. Yeah. Be ready to, like, like you said, I'm not putting on my, I'm not putting on my walkie, my headset, my call sheet at six. Yeah. I'm on set, ready to work. Right. right. Which right. means you've got to be there earlier. You got to be there earlier. Yeah. Right. When um when I didn't work in the industry, you know, and I had like an office job, six a.m. was or seven a.m. seven a.m. But I got there at six fifty-seven, you know, right in the office. But you can't do that in the in movie industry because it's fifteen minutes from the, the car to where you got to be. Sometimes yeah. twenty. Yeah. Whether you on the lot or on location. Oh yeah, the lot. Well, yeah, a lot. I mean, you got to go through the parking structure, up the elevators, and then you got to walk across the lot, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah. And depending on if you got a bicycle park there, I mean, that's the biggest thing, man. You go to Paramount, and you know, you're on the Gower side, yeah. And your stage is on the uh, on Van Ness side. Van Ness side, yeah. That's a long walk, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to do it five minutes. Yeah. yeah. Or three minutes. Wait, wait, because I've been there. <laughs> Oh shit! I was doing girlfriends. It's like, oh my goodness, I got to be there in five minutes, but I'm here on Van S. Right, and you got to go through. <coughs> you got to go through security. Got to go through security and all that stuff, yeah. man. How do you describe or how do you explain your job? You know, because I think a lot of people, even within our industry, we look at, especially like an electrician's um, job or like a grip. You know, as a very sort of hands-on, blue-collar job, but. In a lot of ways, I, I think your typical blue-collar worker mm -hmm. would need to kind of go through some growing pains to fully understand what it's like to I, work in our industry. How do you explain right. that to people? Well, first of all, our job, lighting technicians, our job is sort of evolving into that technical job just by the nature of our lights, you know. For example, 
our go-to light right now would be called an Aries Sky Panel. That's a staple light that everybody wants. Mm -hmm. um, every show has it. Your, your lighting package is not complete unless you have one. So when you open up a sky panel, number one, it's a heavier light. So now you're lifting heavier equipment again, which is took us backwards right. in that respect because now it's heavy, mm -hmm. but it's smart. So I could lift it once, put it on a light stand, and this light could do anything. Typically in the past, I would have to put a colored gel on it. Is mm -hmm. it nighttime? I have to put a blue gel on it. Daytime, a white gel, 215, 250, or whatever it takes to smooth it out. Now... It's all done digitally through inside the light. So that makes it easy. However, as most of us know, sometimes you get out in the field, man, those Bluetooth devices just do not work all the time. <laughs> yeah, we're waiting on it. Right, <laughs> you know. Yeah. We're waiting on it. So sometimes you just got to pull that, uh, that receiver off and you just got to go manual. So now you have to operate the light. Meaning you need to have that technical expertise exactly you need to know how to do it manually it's not really that difficult i mean if you can operate a computer or a cell phone you can probably operate the light but, but you got to know how to do it but you got to know how to do it so you got to know the color temperature how many kelvins right the intensity and the thing about it is with lighting technicians which really makes our job a little bit more difficult is that technology now gave us the ability to build our own lights it's like a little erector set so now anyone can own an erector set for lights off Amazon. Mm -hmm. So everyone makes their own custom lights. Gotcha. But when I'm coming on your set, you're the gaffer, I'm coming on your set, now you have this custom light. A lot of guys like to have custom lights because they get a rental on it. Right. We need my special light. <laughs> so now you get a rental on it, right? I swear I've been on sets where they said, hand me a bread box. <laughs> what in the world is a bread box? It's their nickname for the light that the gaffer built. It's his own special light. And only he knows how to work it, or the guy that he taught knows how to work it. Right. So now I'm coming on a his set, and I don't know what to do. So now that we have technology and the ability to, to have kits to build our own custom lights, we're suffering the, the cons of it of everybody has their own light. Yeah. It's not standardized. Not everybody's right. not, there, There's no standardization. Every, people are working exactly. on different, with different right. sheet music. Exactly. I mean, we know what the sky panel is mm -hmm. and all that, but we don't know what this custom light is. We don't know what the bread box is. <laughs> and that's it. And but, uh, do I need to go to craft service? Exactly. That was, I think I, that was my first reply. Like, bread box, you know, <laughs> right. crafty. And, and another thing is, is that now that lights are more like electronics, so we have electronic companies trying to enter the lighting market. Hmm. So historically, there was Strand Lighting, Mo Richardson, right. Ari or Ari. You know, then we had the eight the people to make the 18Ks, like Silver Bullets. But I mean, these companies been around forever. But now since we have LED lights. We have all these new companies coming into play. Gotcha. Now, do these yeah. older companies like Mo Richardson and 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 Ari or Ari, are they are they moving into the new technology? Uh, moving in well. Hmm, that's up for debate. Debate. Right. Yeah, because you know, again, uh, the Ari Sky Panel is the go-to light and everybody's buying those. However, uh, we do have the cream source, which is like a sky panel 
I don't want to use the word knockoff, but (laughs) we don't want to use the word. But But it's a knockoff. But but some people prefer it more than the Sky Panel. Yeah, I mean it's just. uh, But again, it's a competitor. It's a competitor. There you go. But my point is, is that there's so many new companies that are basically electronic companies that are making our lights, and it's just so there's so so many lights flooding the market. Not one person can come in and actually know each and every light by each and every manufacturer. Mm-hmm. So that's causing a little rift in the lighting aspect of the industry right now because there's so many, so much stuff. It's like, what is, every day I walk on the set, there is actually a new product. And I said this the last time I worked, I meant you can go on a set as a lighting technician and you're bound to see a light that you've never seen before. Mm-hmm. That you have to say, what the hell is this? Right, but nobody right. actually wants to say what the, the hell, hell is this because right. you don't want to look like you don't know your craft. Right. Yeah. But I mean, because that's really what it is all about. I mean, it's like knowing you, your craft. Yeah. And you guys learn everything on the job. We learn everything on it. So you have to ask, what the hell is this? But no one really wants to know yeah. what the hell this is. I mean, they don't want to ask. They don't want to ask right. because now you're like, Because oh, nobody wants to look stupid. No one wants to look <laughs> stupid, you know. I mean, I don't care. I mean, I've looked stupid before, so they got to hurt kid. And then you have some kid. I mean, I've been doing this for 28 years. And you got some kid that has 18 days. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, this is a so-and-so, so-and-so, right, right, right. you know. And it's like, where'd you come from, kid? <laughs> Nine-union world? Right. <laughs> like, where did they get money to play with these toys, you right. know? Right. Probably got it for free just to... To become the beta. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, but it's 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 each generation. Yeah, it's like each when generation. We, like when we first came in, when I first started, they used to write the call sheet. The second oh, AD. Really? Oh, yeah. Like fill it in? Fill it in, dude. Wow. With a pencil. I remember, I, I still have some, and this is like uh, 94. Yep. So it was uh, handwritten? Hand, dude, handwritten. Okay. Wait, do you guys, when was the last time you got a call sheet? Oh. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. A physical probably call sheet. Really, probably we've, uh, we've handed out hard copy call sheets a couple of times the yeah. last two years. But since COVID, uh-huh. and, and even just before COVID, uh-huh. people started phasing out, like uh-huh. trying to go digital to, right. like, to be green. Right. Like once be COVID green. happened, uh-huh. everybody figured out, okay, this is, check your emails, yeah. call sheet will be- Yeah, you don't get a call sheet at the end of the you night. Don't get a but as a lighting technician, when you saw the call sheets come from the PAs, you know the day's almost over. Yeah. yeah. You're like, oh, good, we're going to be wrapping. Well, we didn't pat- we're going to wrap it about an hour. As a PA, you better not hand out a call sheet until they call wrap. Right. No. Because you no. may be going, you may be wrapped yourself. But right. I've had plenty of guys come over to me like, what's yeah, this? Yeah, exactly. But that's what I'm saying. When you look over, you see them physically sitting there, yeah. you, you know, okay, we're getting close. Right. Yeah. I think the Abby's up. Yeah. Abby's up. Abby's up. All right. So, Mr. Banks, our Abby singer is up. Um... Who would you like to see or listen to in that seat that you're sitting in right now? You know, I know a grip who's a second-generation grip. Okay. Who? Dijon Ellis Jr. Yeah, and he is very up on everything that's going on in the industry being a— Yeah, he has a position with Local 80. Okay. Don't quote me on what he is for 80 now, but often okay. I would say Dijon Ellis Jr. would be a good guy to have in the seat. All right. All right. So, Martini's up. One more question for it. Uh, what are you watching these days? Uh, a lot of Netflix shows. I'm really stuck on that waiting time right now. 
Oh. oh, yes. Yeah, I'm a big Showtime fan. Right on. They're, we're talking the Lakers Showtime. We're talking the Lakers right, Showtime. Not the Showtime not, channel. You know, it's, it's weird. I, I was I seen something. Jeannie Buss was like, uh-huh. she's watching it. Cause, and she's like, some of it is real true, and some of it is Hollywood. Some of it is Hollywood. Yeah. And it's all, actually, it's all Hollywood. Hollywood, it's right. Because yeah, Showtime was Hollywood <laughs> at the time. It, it, it revolves around magic. I mean, come on. I mean, how can you not be intrigued by it? Yeah, and I, I know that it's not fully accurate. No. It, it follows the, the, the guidelines of what actually happened. Right, exactly. I like watching that story play out. I just like watching that Me character. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah. It's nice. You know, it's funny. I put myself in that position or what was I doing during that time? Mm-hmm. 80s? I, the 80s. I, I, mean, I don't know what you were I doing. I barely was even paying attention. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was that young. Right, right. I, I know you were a little younger. We were like, we were just getting out of high school. Yeah, we were getting out yeah. of high school. But, but it's a match yeah, Magic had that that game where he took, took. Uh, I mean, he stepped in for Kareem, scored 40 points, 42 yeah. points. I mean, I remember that game. That was 40 years ago. I remember that was like the I best really? game in the, that anyone has ever played. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's usually, if you look at television over the years, the people who who are in charge of making television, they reminisce about their their childhood, the 70s. Right. Laverne and Shirley. Yeah. yeah. Happy days. Mm-hmm. Right? It was just those people are thinking about how they grew up in the 50s. Yeah. yeah. You know, the 80s was about the 60s and, you know, uh-huh. and then all of a sudden the 2000s are about the 80s mm-hmm. and, and you're reminiscing. Yeah. And, I mean, and, that, and that's like you just said, what was I doing that in 1980 when Magic was winning a championship? I wasn't doing anything. I was running the streets, a little young whippersnapper, you know, <laughs> getting in trouble. Yeah. But um, it brought me back to that time, you know, the early 80s. It, it, wow, Magic was the man. All so right. I, I dig that show. Yeah. yeah. Cool. It might not be accurate, but. You like it anyway. anyway. <laughs> yeah, I liked it anyway. You know, oh well. Cool. Well, I think we got it. Yep. Yeah. Right. Now can I say it? Yep. <laughs> That's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Banks, we thank you very much for coming in, my brother. Thanks my pleasure. Coming. Thanks for coming out, Fritz. Oh, my goodness. Had nothing else better to do. All right. Thank you to my man, Fritz, for uh, coming in and uh, speaking with us. Known this gentleman for like over 33 years, and um, thank you very much for coming in and having a conversation with DC and I. Yeah, I enjoyed talking to Fritz. Uh, I've never met him before, and uh, he's a cool dude. Get on a real show, Fritz, where you have to get back in that condo. <laughs> <laughs> nah, Fritz has got it figured out. Yeah, yeah, he does. He does. All right, so uh, next week we're gonna have Lennox Bupe Brown, and Lennox has uh, been in the business for over 30 years. Stand in for Wesley Snipes. He's done all the blades. He's worked on Snowfall. He's worked on Nope. One of the most professional stand-ins that I've worked on. Ah, yes. And we want to thank Lennox for actually allowing us to uh, do our first six podcasts at his home. We love you there, boy. You know, respect. Hit the subscribe button, rate us, and drop us a review. That'll help us keep this show going. That's all we got this week. I'm BC. And I'm Spoon, and uh, we'll see you on the next one.